0: Hawkeye fans it's finally here it is week one of the college football season our Iowa Hawkeyes will be taking the field this Saturday against the Utah State Aggies uh we don't right now know who Necessarily, who's going to be under center at it? It's been kind of an interesting week, and we'll get into that. But uh, welcome to Twelve Saturdays, version 2.0, episode three. I'm Tori Brecht. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, Joel Krausauer. I got the name right on the first try this this week. Um, also known as chopsy Twelve on the Twenty One. Twenty
1: One. I'm not Cade Mac. Twenty One. I'm, I'm Twenty One. Okay. I, I, wasn't, I, I am, wasn't ever quite small enough to wear a number that began with a one or a single digit. So,
0: well, I'm I'm numerically dyslexic, and I, I saw I see the 12th Saturdays logo above your left shoulder on the Zoom call there. So that, I, my apologies for chopsy 21 there, um, Joel. Week. Uh, this is always a really fun week of the year if you've been a football fan. How are you feeling? It's the
1: slowest week of the year it's like can we just get to saturday can we just get to saturday please especially with the little teaser that we got this weekend with some college football games that none of them were good Yeah. No. and we were still had some live live college football to to worry about and to think about uh, i'm excited for for labor day weekend every year because it seems like that's usually ends up well for the hawkeyes and we'll see how this one goes
0: yeah, we're going to keep the, the pod today uh, short and sweet because I know you're all very anxious, too. We'll try to keep it at right about 50, 55 minutes, which I always view as like how long it takes me to drive from my house to, to my tailgate spot. So that's always a nice, sweet spot. So You're all about, I the, con,
1: you're all about the constraints. You're all about the I, keeping it tight. I get it. I get it. But I'm, I, I'm the guy who I could do a three-hour podcast, but nobody wants to know, hear. I, I'm, not, I'm not Joe Rogan. Nobody wants to hear me
0: do that. No one wants to hear Joe Rogan do that. Uh, so, don't alienate a, our audience. We don't know what our audience <laughs> is. All right, some people might. Uh, we have a fun guest this week. Where, where I'm just going to. We won't keep it a secret this time. Uh, it's one of the original three amigos from the old Twelve Saturdays Day, Twelve Saturdays Days. Uh, Billy D, also known as Flick Shagwell on the boards, uh, uh, you know. And that. See, and I knew that Joel. When you see don't don't alienate our audience you know flick has kind of a reputation uh already among at least people who uh frequent uh iowa fan sites so um you know bill's always a fun guy to talk to but i figure you know he's going to be the one that's alienating and irritating people not me well
1: and i've i've kind of dialed back a little bit on on the boards just because of i don't know lot of people are tired i just try to keep it to the facts i'm kind of going joe friday on the uh on the
0: stuff, i, I I'm, No more hot takes? You're not on the hot well, take alert? Well, my hot
1: takes are always pretty positive and pretty accurate, a la Jack Campbell will be a first-round NFL draft pick, a la Desmond King will win the... Uh, the uh thorpe award i did i called that shot too and people left me off the board i said he was the best iowa defensive back since tom knight going into that that uh that thorpe award winning year but those are those are just ones and todd brommel camp has the receipts on those because i made that prediction on his radio show uh in cedar rapids so uh i'll i'll keep it to the positive hot takes and i think i have a couple for saturday
0: (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, I, you know, we're already talking about uh, old names and nostalgia, which will be perfect because that's kind of our, our guest's, guest's sweet spot too, uh, which also kind of leads me into, uh, did you watch the hype video with uh, Ricky Stanzi? What, what did you think of that? I did. And I
1: was here for it. I Ricky Stanzi is picky Ricky as I like to call him because he always threw that that surrender Cobra type interception, but then somehow <laughs> th- would totally redeem himself and make find a way to come back and win and just he's just one of those legendary hawks that everybody who was around during that time will remember and yeah I think he had one of those qualities that wasn't the, necessarily always the most skilled quarterback on the roster but I think he was the dude that everybody else on the team would go to war with and I think that was
0: his superpower agree agree and so here's my uh, hot take of the week um I would argue that in my lifetime as a Hawkeye fan and at least since the Rose Bowl win in the 50s with the as coach, that the 2009 Orange Bowl win was the most important win in Iowa Hawkeye history since that Wyshevsky Rose Bowl because it's the only BCS-level bowl that was won by either a Hayden Fry or a Kirk Ferentz coached team. I I think that's totally
1: accurate and totally valid. I think you're 100% correct on that. And as a defensive guy, that was one of the most beautiful defensive game plans I've ever seen and I will never grow tired of the the story of how Norm Parker went into his files and found uh you know this this folder from when he coached high school football against that op- that offense. And that was the game plan that they use.
0: You know, I think it's kind of a shame, Joel, that I think that game kind of gets poo pooed a little bit because Georgia Tech has maybe not, you know, a blue blood, a big power. You know, uh, arguably the LSU team that uh, Drew Tate beat with his last second throw was probably. You know, a more talented team maybe than that. Some of the other teams Iowa's faced off with and beaten some of the, the the Florida team they beat in the Outback Bowl may have been better than that Georgia Tech squad, but still, it was an Orange Bowl win, you know? And, I mean, and, I, I was sitting there in person, and, like, I'll be honest, I was a, get a little choked up at the end because finally they got over the hump on a season, you know? And let's not
1: forget the running back performance by perhaps the greatest running back in my alma mater, Morningside University's history, Brandon <laughs> Wager. There you go. What could have been, right? Hey, he was great for my for my alma honor, took him to the national championship
0: game. <laughs> well, we won't delve into the personal issues that that may have uh, caused that to not well, turn that's, out the way podcast fans a, wanted.
1: But that's a different podcast and I know all of the details and I will we could share that at a different time at a uh maybe on a, on a an NAIA football thread. Maybe we'll start a we'll there start a sub pod
0: that way i think that sounds good uh well with that let's uh let's bring in our guest the uh inestimable billy d flick shagwell hey guys how's it going bill long time no see how have you been fantastic fantastic yeah i'm ready for football season ready to ready to hang out and, and toss a few back how are you surviving over there in Huskerland? What, what is the mood in Huskerland these days? It feels pretty uh, sedated. I don't know. I, I think uh, they've been burned so many times. It's, it's a wait-and-see approach with Matt Rule. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not as obnoxious as it's been in in years and decades past that's great well joel i don't know if you two have officially no, met so let have. me officially introduce you to uh my friend bill and uh this is joel i think you do know his work on the hawkeye boards as chopsy 21 perhaps sure yeah what part of Huskerland are you
1: in say what what part of Huskerland are you in omaha
0: the, the most tolerable
1: part of it i would say my, my parents are harrison county iowa natives, so just right across the oh, okay. river so yeah sure sure what missouri valley or um pisgah is where my mom is from home of the old home keep on truck and fill her up cafe they're west okay. they're west here my grandma used to live in missouri valley though so yeah that that area so sure mon damon was where they went to high school
0: Okay. I'm familiar. It's my park of the
1: part of the world, neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah, my dad's from Modale. My mom is from Pisgah City.
0: Okay. Good to meet you. We could just talk we could just throw out the name of tiny towns that nobody cares about and will ever visit. You know, all there are
1: listeners already on that side of the state that I've heard from that aren't related to me. So that's a big thing. So wow. no. There we go. We're, our reach is, is growing. So remember That's a, that's that, a
0: minor miracle that I find two people in that county
1: that aren't related. It also- Oh, shut up. It uh <laughs> it gives me a, a good reminder, though, to make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. So not only do you get the most up-to-date episodes, but we get credit for your listenership. So please, please yes, hit Joe. that follow button and uh, maybe do it on the Spotify feed if you have it. That, that helps us a little bit more than
0: the others. So. So, so Bill, uh, you know, one thing I was telling Joel is that you guys both kind of share a, uh, propensity to rewatch games. So wh- give Joel a little insight into your, uh, collection of, of past games. Yeah, I've got, uh, I think every televised game from 1981 until the 28th or 2020 or 2018 season, my bad, uh. With about three exceptions, the 1991 Wisconsin game being one of those. That was the one with what Mike Saunders catching the pass right at the last second. I was at. Uh, the, I was
1: in. I was at the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was too. And some asshole Badger fan uh, broke the antenna off my Ford Escort, man. Because they saw my Iowa plates parked on the street. Never trust a filthy Badger. That's what I, I, in, I say. Increased yeah, your,
1: increased the value of that car.
0: <laughs> it actually did. It Actually did. <laughs> Yeah, any listeners, if you've got a copy of that, I'd, I'd give my, my front tee for that one. Uh, well, I just remember, Bill, that I was so excited because, you know, my all-time favorite road game is uh, 1990 at Champaign. Uh, I think both teams were top 10 or 15-ish anyway. Uh, yeah. It, it was basically the battle for the Rose Bowl. And a uh, mm-hmm. lot of trepidation, a lot of nervous, and then Nick Bell just housed Illinois. The entire first quarter, it was a joke, oh, a cool. runaway. It was a beautiful thing, and so of course, it's never on, uh, you know, BTN classics because it wasn't a classic. It was just a pounding. Yeah. Uh, but you, you got me a uh, burned uh, version of that on DVD, and it, like just to be able to sit back and watch it and relive those memories. I almost got in a fight at a night fraternity that night. Afterwards, I, it, it was it was just a really really good night. So Keith uh, Jackson on the call on that one, Dane and Hughes yes. too lover dance in the end zone yeah i would have killed to be there i was eight so (laughs) yeah i was i was i think we're the same age bill i was right around there as well
1: well yeah, I am the old
0: person in the group. So uh you know, we talk about It seems about like jokes. you
1: always get into fights everywhere you I'm go. i dead
0: not I never uh, actually get into a physical fight. It's more my mouth now checks that my body can't no. No, my, however that phrase goes, I get mouth, your mouth and, and there's checks an your body
1: can't cash. Yes. There you go. Now I know why you invited me to come to the games with you, is so that you could have yes. a former bouncer at Rosie's bar in Sioux City, Iowa
0: with you in the uh, in the stands. <laughs> You know, I make it a habit to have tough friends because you I'm know. I'm not tough. I'm just big. Well, you know, it looks tough. So that <laughs> it works. It's always good. Um, the other thing I wanted to try to do, uh, if, if if your game bill, is see if either Joel and I could stump you with a trivia question about Iowa football, just because I don't know anybody that has a more encyclopedic knowledge of it. And we won't do anything like too difficult or anything like that. But I thought I mean, it might be kind of fun to just test your, uh, obscure Hawkeye history knowledge. I, I will say since my toddlers were born, my brain has kind of turned to mush, but, uh, you know, let, let's give her hell anyway. Same. I've got, I've got 12,
1: 10 and the seven year old. So I'm in the same boat you are. So
0: it doesn't get better Then it does. But you,
1: you just, you just start to remember stuff that they do instead of stuff that, Okay, twenty-two-year-old Sid when you were
0: eight. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to start this off with uh, what I think it should be a pretty easy one, um, which is that an aforementioned 1990s team um, had a fullback on it that uh, maybe didn't get the same accolades as you know Nick Bell and and uh, Tony Stewart, but was also a pretty stellar Hawkeye who was. Was it uh uh Lou, was it uh sweet Lou Montgomery? Absolutely bing 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 yeah, yeah. Lou Montgomery. So yeah uh, excellent call. And I really great shook great his hands. Yeah. Yeah, super good guy. Uh, I uh, met him while he was at ACT in Iowa City. Great guy. Nice, nice. All right, Joel, see if you can stomp Bill. I okay,
1: guess so. Here's the one that I came up with, and this is probably an easy one. Let's uh, stick
0: with fullbacks. I'll talk about Rob <laughs> Tyne and Kent call all day.
1: Well, I, I had oh. one. I, I was gonna say what Iowa fullback was also on Tim Dwight's four by one hundred state championship team, team. Yep. Ooh.
0: in Ooh. high school. fullback. I mean, yeah, let's let's wait no. Because he, he was a, be a city high guy, and I don't think Rob Tyne was from there, was he? Yep, that's Rob Tyne. That was one of them. Okay. So you said Rob, so He's... that's why I said it, but I have another one. I got a great story about uh, him and uh, Randy Reiner's, and J- it took place at Joe's place, if you can believe it. Um, but swell <laughs> guys. They're great guys. That's, that's all I'm, I'm going to say. It a, is it a story that has to, be, has, it has to stay in the vault? let's uh, probably yeah we can uh, what we do uh, what we, we should do
1: is we should record an episode of stories and then we'll start a patreon account so people can can
0: subscribe and get the get the juice you know? there you go uh, i'm not gonna tell any tales out of school i'll just say uh the good guys um they were they were more than willing to have a few with this uh fan so yeah. So here was the one that I thought might stump you, but it's
1: it's easy when you think about it. But it might not be. Toddler brain may have taken it out of the memory banks. What Iowa quarterback was the son of the
0: Boston Celtics head coach? Oh, that's easy. That's Matt Rogers. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I knew it was that. Yep. Yep. I know. Yo, yo. <laughs> I no, yeah. Know that Joel. Okay. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Boston Celtics head coach and Matt Rogers playing for Iowa. Yeah. There we go. All right. I'm going to screw up the year on this, so I'm not even going to try to guess it. But I'll correct you, you. Yeah. Can you name the Davenport North running back that actually saved Iowa's butt, I believe at the end of a season and in a bowl game, the year they lost all their quarterback or running backs? Davenport North, okay. What is it going to be? Well, it's not going to be Sam Brownlee, is it's it? Not Sam Brownley. You went to from they lost All their running backs. Boy, I don't know. Now I'm now oh, I'm, I stumped him. Do you know this what, one, Joel? I played against him in high school. Marquez Simmons. Marquez oh, Simmons. That is right. God, I stomp- dang it, though. I never stomp though. I feel lived in uh, uh, Shram Hall when he went to the University of Nebraska. Uh, because I was I was there for three sad semesters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was only fifteen right. Exactly. Yep. I spent it in bed. Nuked another, mother's apple pie <laughs> hey, Sorry, Joel. Creek a little, out a little, little too
1: much Elm Creek water there for you that year, right?
0: Throwing out some it, Ben Folds lyrics on you. I do <laughs> like the Swarm Bear Bill. That's a good. It, it's fantastic. It's very good. <laughs> Um, I thought it was appropriate for the podcast.
1: Absolutely. I'm out of I'm out of questions. I can look some up real quick, but I'm well, I'm some before, struggling.
0: Before we pivot, I, I do want to I want to get Bill's take on a couple things, including his uh, his thoughts of the season. And I think we're going to do a little QB one talk here too. But before we get into that, I think we did this story at least on one podcast. But Joel, I really wanted you to hear it. Tell him about the first time we really spent any significant time at a Hawkeye game together, Bill. I believe it was uh, pre gaming before the 2009 Orange Bowl, and you, you'd met a special friend. <laughs> yeah yeah I think we met up briefly right before the 08 Purdue game where Sean Green uh just put that one guy on the highlight real Frank Duong but we spent a uh, significant amount of time before the Orange Bowl and uh Yeah, we got wild. We drove down there uh, with a table strapped to the top of my SUV, uh, a big one. And we had like six on six uh, flip cup going like us versus Georgia Tech fans. And it was wild. And uh, I met one fan, A, to say that she was an Iowa fan, but she was beautiful, uh, looked like Barbie, uh, but the worst, most racist, most hateful mouth of any, any person I've ever encountered before or since. Uh, and uh, she was well lubricated. Everybody was uh, in their cups. And uh, I think I met you and your wife with her on my back, uh, giving her yes. a piggyback ride around the stadium. And, uh, she, she I, and let, was... let me tell the story from here because this is where okay. the story gets really good. Yeah. My wife was pretty conservative. She's a teetotaler. She doesn't drink teetotaler. I never know how to say that word. Certainly oh, she doesn't not drink. teetotaler. That's called you. Yeah. Re- you've read that teetotaler. book. You've you read that more than you've said that. That's what that I is. I've read it more than I say that. She is a teetotaler. And so, you know, she was happy to be there. She was in a pretty good mood. But Bill comes up with like this smoking hot uh, young lady on his back. He's like, I want you to meet my new girlfriend, Ava Brown." <laughs> Just like, no no she's like a nazi she's like a total racist and she didn't even get mad it was pretty funny it was a proud moment yeah yeah i i didn't i didn't know this person prior to that i don't i haven't known her since i i didn't you know had i known those were her views i probably would have kept my distance but now you live in your learn yeah yeah i mean we were in florida so you know. it's true it's true yeah that's uh par for the course down there i'm
1: just trying to avoid any political commentary right now as much like, as possible
0: oh there nothing political about this it was hilarious it was just <laughs> it i think really... i think the
1: commentary is was the three of us agree that racist iowa fans are not the best iowa fans to be around. well
0: no we're not fans. no 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 not not memorable point. notable not, but, but memorable. not the norm all right. So Bill, I think uh I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week but we gave our season previews and I thought that I was spectacularly optimistic at uh ten and two with uh both a lot losses of in the big ten. That's what I was gonna um, say. Okay, because uh and Joel, what did you have? Eleven, uh, 11 and one? I went one? eleven and one, the
1: loss to losses to Illinois. That's what I had is my prediction.
0: Yeah. So what, what how do you see it shaking out and what who are you most worried about Iowa dropping games to though? well the worry if you're me always is uh lost to nebraska and uh so i'm always worried about that um but yeah i i too think that illinois uh they're an up-and-cumber uh unfortunately bielama knows his stuff uh that game last year you know had how do we could we only crack nine points what do we come away with a win in that one um yeah, they, they scare me Penn State, not so much, but you know, it's uh I, I'm still used to beating Joe Pa's teams and they've gotten significantly better better since then. So that that's also a scary one. But yeah, I think I think ten and two. As long um, as long
1: as James Franklin's managing the game, I'm
0: not scared. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's he's lost a little bit of luster of late. Um but yeah, yeah, I, I think uh you know, if we can get around Illinois, uh, I, I'm not worried about Wisconsin. What about you guys? See, I, I I go back and forth. You know, for me, growing up in Madison, that's like sure game Nebraska is to you. But I like Iowa's chances up there this year. I really do, um, primarily because although I think Luke Fickle is going to be a good coach, I think the transition year is going to be rough, and we get them relatively early. Uh, so if Iowa's offensive line actually looks. Average and decent mm-hmm. in the uh, preseason or the non-con, then I think uh, I think they can go up there and beat the Badger. That's kind of my thoughts there, too. So I, I guess Penn State and Illinois are my losses, and uh, i see us uh, hopefully going back to... Is it still Detroit or or it's Indianapolis, in the,
1: I mean? Yeah, it's Indianapolis. I don't okay, see I that changing. Okay, I saw some talk
0: that it was about to be Las Vegas or something, right? I think that's was, if... And when, yeah.
1: all, not if, but when the West Coast contingent shows up, that's when that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be kind of fun, I got to be honest, if Iowa ever got to there. Can drink the Luxor or Mandalay Bay out of Bush Light
1: like the Iowa State fans did last year when they played UNLV at, at Allegiant Pure stadium. class. We do that in Indianapolis and we go, that's like the competition to try to drink the whole city out of beer.
0: It's true. So let's, uh, let's talk about the big topic du jour for this week, which is who are we going to see run out and take the snap under center on the first play of the game? Who do you got, Bill? I mean, it seems like, you know, people that are pretty dialed in, uh, Docterman, Tom Kager, Blair Sanderson, they seem to be hinting that it's going to be Deacon Hill. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I won't be heartbroken. He was a great guy when me and my son talked to him at Kids Day a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. I, I would be surprised if it was Joe Labus hoping that we see Kate McNamara, but I think it, it all signs are pointing to Big Deacon.
1: I think that they wouldn't <laughs> be making McNamara available to the media the last two weeks if he wasn't going to go. That's my, yes. my thought, my history, and knowing the medical side of it, the way that I do with some of my dad's connections and his... Insights uh to the iowa sports medicine world um maybe it's changed maybe kirk 7.0 is now all about gamesmanship and putting it out there but i think that if he wasn't ready to go uh cade would have had a class scheduled at the media availability time okay and he would not have been available he would have had some sort of academic conflict um, I think the fact that they let him talk to people leads me to believe that he's going to go Saturday.
0: Well, I'm curious to get you guys' take on this because I caused just a moderate little stir on the uh, on Tom kaker's board today by saying What's that, that, that like <laughs> it's fine, it's good. I, I and so I I basically said that I'm grumpy old man wise kind of getting annoyed with how cagey kirk ferentz always is on this stuff like well we really are optimistic i mean we feel good about it but you never know like i'd rather just be like if the game started today he wouldn't maybe he will saturday we'll let you know like i i guess i i get the fact that all three of us are so up in the air on who will who won't to me says and i get he probably doesn't actually know yet you want to know but i just think, am i wrong in feeling like it's a little like KG and it's just too much bs I, I get tired of that you're not wrong no i oh you go
1: i i said i said i started to say you're not wrong but i meant to say you are wrong that's his job to be cagey and to not show his hand he gets paid what he gets paid to win football games, not keep us fans happy. I mean, that's my coach perspective. Like, my son just started being a water boy on a high school football sideline, and I took all the guys aside. I said, you guys have just been quietly indoctrinated and inducted into the fraternal order of the sideline. The stuff you hear, the stuff that you may learn about injuries, about football strategy and everything, that is top secret. You can tell your parents in confidence only because you shouldn't lie to your parents. But other than that, nobody else should hear anything about what's happened. It's the same with college football. We as fans feel entitled to the information. But I don't care if they don't want to give it to me. They're not there to serve us on Tuesday. They're there to serve us on Saturday and win games for themselves and then win games for us. So if that means you got to play poker, and the Tuesday press conference, if that means you've got to maybe be a little discretionary when next year when they have to release an availability chart two hours before kickoff, then so be it. The only reason injuries are known by us as fans is because of the gambling industry. That's the only reason that their medical history is available to us. So they don't owe me anything. Be as cagey as you want. Let Blake Anderson spin it like a top trying to figure out who's going to play quarterback for the Hawkeyes on Saturday.
0: That, that's certainly one way of looking at it, and I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I have been a high school football coach, head coach, uh, and I would agree 100% with you there. Uh, as a fan, though, I, I'll say that um, I'm not a Nebraska football fan, but I learned how to be a football fan in the state of Nebraska. And when I was growing up, there was football practice updates every single day in the World Herald you know today Tommy Fraser was 12 for 15 you know whatever like and, and they were winning championships didn't seem to slow them down uh i don't know like you know we're, we're the fans we're kicking money over just let us know i don't know yeah and, and well joel well i agree with you 100 percent, joel i guess what i don't understand then is why do we do the dog and pony show like what why bother with that then like if if injury talk is going to be verboten just say we don't talk about injuries that's what i'm more annoyed by is this sort of you know, it just feels like it's this, like it, what I described it as is you guys, some of you are either been in journalism or graphic design, things like that. It's, it's the, uh, what do you call it? The Ipsum, whatever. It's like, you know, the fake words that you put in, it looks like fake Latin. That's like mm. totally meaningless. It just <laughs> looks like something that is every answer per-, per fans gives at a press conference. Basically. It's just, it doesn't mean anything it's rendered basically meaningless. So why are we all wasting our time with it? Because the beautiful psychology of it to me is then you get
1: guys like Rob Howe who say, well, Kate had a procedure. No, he said that there was a procedure. So now you get a whole bunch of fans chasing Rob Howe down, giving him a hard time. You get a bunch of fans going this way. And meanwhile, Kirk just goes back to his office, goes back to practicing football, goes back to doing his job while he sets the breadcrumb. I get the annoyance of it but i guess a part of me loves it like i maybe that's cuz that's the kind of coach i would be if they put a microphone in front of my face i'm not going to tell you everything you need to know i'm going to tell you what i want you to know and i'm going to try to to do some decoys you know back in the day Hayden Fry used to sneak injured players to Muscatine to my dad's PT <laughs> clinic to get treatment because all the reporters would camp out around the sports medicine rehab facilities in Iowa City to try to figure out who was hurt so this gamesmanship has been going on a long time now well,
0: well I guarantee you no reporter is ever going to leave the newsroom to do that in this day and age I couldn't even get mine to pick up a freaking phone for God's sake so <laughs> Anyway, we don't have to talk about the demise of journalism in the 21st century because that would be a whole nother podcast. But what
1: I do think is even if, if Cade plays, I think they have to measure it um, risk reward. I mean, if it's yeah. you start the run, you start off running the ball. You start with some easy throws. And, but, but if I, I see the risk of it. If he's eighty percent, then maybe you don't put him out there. But if he's ninety percent, I think you've got to build <laughs> that continuity, build that repetition up because he hasn't played football, you know, since the Big Ten championship game against Iowa.
0: Yeah, he needs to knock Rust off. And I will tell you the the piece of news that I did like that came out of the Kirk Ferentz press conference on and we're recording this on Tuesday, um, is that uh he said that because he's medically cleared, there's a, a belief that he can't actually re-injure the injury. It's more a, a level of how much pain tolerance there would be in soreness. So, to me, that is a good thing because you, you know I think Cade McNamara is the kind of guy that if it gets to like the Iowa State game and it's just soreness, the dude's gonna take like you know uh, some, a bunch of ibuprofen and and get out there and and, and play. So you mean a you mean a, to- um, a I- toradol shot? Well, yeah, you know, what, whatever, whatever drugs they can hop him up on and have him not feel his leg for a few hours. Whatever they're giving uh, Billy Bob and Friday Night Lights. <laughs> it was it was Lance Harbor who got the
1: injection. Let's let's hope that that doesn't okay. happen. And that was first uh, the blues. Not trying. Those are my oh my, my two loves. Oh my Okay. My two loves are movies and sport movies. So that happens to just be the Venn diagram <laughs> collision. Uh their brain. It's all right. It's all right. You did sound a little bit like my mother there, but well, that's okay.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. See, I knew you two were going to hit it off. <laughs> See, this is the conflict your dad was
1: talking about, Tori, when he said that I was too nice. This is this is the real me. Well, Ooh, maybe what, I shouldn't have thrown that gauntlet down. Should we talk a but little bit like more it. about Utah State? Like, Because that is the opponent, uh, and I think this game got scheduled when Jay Norvell was – no, Jay Norvell was at Nevada. Um, right. You, this game got scheduled – many many years ago and Blake Anderson took this team to a bowl game last year I mean they're they're not the least formidable uh, team that Iowa could have on their schedule um, and they're not afraid to play people they went and played at Tuscaloosa last year they got beat 55 nothing by Alabama but going into big-time environments isn't foreign to them
0: I mean I did yeah. see that they have three, eight newcomers and I know they had some off-field issues, but that's about as much as I know. But I know it really—I know Kirk Ferentz does respect their coach. So was he their coach, Bill, when when Iowa played Arkansas State? Yeah. That's a great I question. That. I know he was there for a long time. That was that would have been 14 years ago now. Oh my, my God, friend. I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, I was listening to their play-by-play-by-play-by-play guy talk to uh, Gary Dolphin on the Fight for Iowa podcast and. He kind of said, yeah, their roster gets turned over a lot because anybody who has any success goes and gets NIL money. But uh, the some of the guys, their middle linebacker, I guess, is a total stud, had opportunities to go play in the Pac-10 or something, Pac-12, uh, decided to stick around, would have led the team in tackles last year. Um, he got hurt. Uh, so they've got a salty little, uh, core of their defense, uh, the middle linebacker, the D tackle. Um, so I don't know that that might present an issue, uh, especially if we got to bring in a Deacon Hill or, or Joe Labus or something. Um, but you know, I, I kind of think of this one as like that, you know, Oh, two Akron game where we just jumped out weigh like 30 points in the first quarter. I think the Hawkeyes are, are trying to show off that they've got an offense. I, I'm I'm not as worried as I've been in the past. I don't know. It could have been a, a tougher cupcake, if you would. You know, the, I was thinking about last year, the opening game, you know, that South Dakota game. And, you know, at the time, I think a lot of us thought, oh, yeah, the offense looked all bad because of this weird weather delay and everything was screwed up and blah, blah, blah. But then the offense was that all year, <laughs> so like, man, that, that like to me, I think I'm gonna have a pretty good feel for how this, how I'm gonna feel at least about the season. Right or wrong, it's probably wrong. But after the first quarter, like, if the offense actually looks like it's not constantly stepping on its own junk and not being able to block. I am going to feel so good about the way the rest of the season goes, even though maybe Utah state isn't a, a juggernaut because last year, Iowa on offense basically looked competent against every level of competition they played. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, in I'm again, I'm you're going to find me defending Brian Ferentz a lot this year. Cause that's just <laughs> what I do. But, uh, that South Dakota State team is the FCS national champions last year, True. too. So that's – I mean, they would have beaten a lot of teams, and they didn't beat us that day, thankfully, because Jack Campbell knows how to drag people into the end zone. Um, but with with Utah State, I, I think you just have to approach it as an all, all-brand-new year. I mean, what is yes. what is the goal? The best Iowa teams, you go back to the 1987 team, all the way back to the 1981 team, the best Iowa teams do what? they run the football and if yes. and and we may have a back in Caleb Johnson who is one of the best of the bunch I was back watching Cedric Shaw replays a couple of weeks ago and I think that people were, remember he was good I don't go back and watch that he was special I'm not saying Johnson's that same type but they seem a little bit taller a little bit longer in the legs and the, some similarities. And if we can just get him to the second level, you know, that interior hey. of the offensive line. When you go back and watch those games that I've watched so far, I've watched seven games from last season. I don't know that Logan Jones was always making the correct line call, the correct adjustment. And you can see that that's where some of the spillage happened. If that gets shored up, which it's easier said than done, but we were spoiled for the years of Linderbaum. But if if Logan Jones can figure that out, then this guy is the kind of back that takes all sorts of pressure off of the quarterback and the wider well, you receivers. know and i
0: want bill to give his take because i think bill bill has one of the most interesting takes on uh caleb johnson i've heard and i've said it since last year yeah uh he's the kind of guy that wisconsin always seems to have and we can never land our running back is always you know five nine 185 or you know uh pigmentally challenged uh, we, we somehow squeeze out yards of guys that don't deserve them. Uh, while Wisconsin always has just a stud. And we've got that guy in Caleb Johnson this year. And um, you yeah. said it's like we got Melvin Gordon now. Like we this time yeah. we won Melvin Gordon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's yeah.
1: high praise. 100% agree. He's a very similar, even like stride style. Like, like, like just very smooth, fluid. just so smooth. Yeah. gets to, Like uh, was it the it was one of the night games maybe it was one of the games that had the rain delay uh, he came out in the second half I think broke like a 70 yard run and it didn't even look like he was moving he just ran away from people
0: that that long run he had against Purdue last year it, yeah. it's like why can't these guys catch him he's not going that fast but surprise surprise they're all in his dust yeah and and joel i wanted to go back to what you said i i was uh, a huge cedric shaw fan i mean that that was my dude because he played when i was at iowa and uh that's a great compass or no he didn't he was right after i'd left um but no he was he was he was so fun to watch i really enjoyed him so it's
1: it's always fun to kind of go back and watch some of those great players and to realize that we've been pretty spoiled as Hawkeye fans, I, I think we we kind of play the aweshucks. shucks. You know, we're a developmental program, but they've found some some diamonds and roughs that nobody else was looking for. I mean, I even go back to Michael Crabtree. Iowa, I think, was the first school that offered him a scholarship as a wide receiver. Uh, and obviously he goes to Texas Tech and has the career, but they have a history of finding guys first and then not landing them for one reason or another. But it's it's interesting to see the trajectory of a kid like Caleb Johnson and how that's gonna to translate down the road as far as getting kids like him. <laughs> because if I remember correctly, he was a somewhat highly regarded recruit that come, coming coming in. Four star guy, yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember what was it, like 05 or something. Uh well it was when Bielema first gotten into Wisconsin, so it must have been 06, 07. And uh, some recruit told the guys at Hawkeye Court or Hawkeye Court report that uh, our, our staff had told them now that we've offered you Wisconsin's going to offer you here in the next couple days, and of course they did. Um, but yeah, that that speaks to your eye for the uh, diamonds in the rough that I always got.
1: So Noah Shannon also suspended for a whole season. We don't necessarily need to litigate the gambling side of it. I think that's been talked and and but I think this defensive line it doesn't matter he wasn't going to play the first couple games anyway because he's hurt so who are some guys that you're excited to see on the defensive side of the ball
0: I want to see this linebacking core, you know, they're kind of unheralded and I think everybody thinks they're going to be a weakness, but I, I, I like some of these dudes. And I tell you what, I, that Jay Higgins is, is gotta, you gotta love his story. And I don't know if anybody else follows his dad on Twitter, but his dad <laughs> is <laughs> a total, totally great Twitter follow. So I'll throw that one out there too. So yeah, I, I kind of want to see how the linebackers fair. Uh, Aaron Graves, uh, I I gotta say that guy reminds me of a young Jared DeVries. What, how, what do you guys think of that comparison? Nope, he reminds oh. me of a young Andamikan Sue. Oh <laughs> crumbs! Holy cow! Hundred percent. Only he doesn't cheat as much, and he's not dirty. Hopefully. Yeah, not stomping on anybody's neck there. Yeah, but okay, the antics aside,
1: and I had the the pleasure of working with Sue at a Nebraska coaches clinic uh, when I was coaching high school ball like the his technique was flawless his physicality was unparalleled and when i was at kids day in individual drills i was seeing graves do things that reminded me of him and exciting and and it's just And yes, probably a different temperament, a little bit, but also maybe not a different different temperament. Like once you, because Sue, if you ever had the chance to meet him or talk to him, was actually a sweet guy. Like he was, he's great to have a conversation with, and a fantastic person that I've had a a day of conversation with. And but when he. when the lights were on, when he crossed the line, he was looking to cross the line. Like it was just right. interesting to see. So I'm I'm curious to see his development because I think the physical tools are generational for Aaron Graves.
0: Well, who who is your uh, who's your guy on defense? Joel.
1: I really want to see how the Leo Cash thing works out because I think Kyler Fisher showed some real interesting. Uh, ball hawk skills and some real interesting coverage skills and ability when he played last year. But I think the best player in that secondary that nobody ever talks about is Sebastian Castro. Yes. He impressed the hell out of me in the bowl game. And let's not forget him shattering the Maryland kick uh, returner's leg on and on that night game on that Friday night. Like He changed the whole – because that was their best player. That was their best offensive player. And he, he completely erased him. And he's well, shown up on special teams for the last three years. I'm
0: really excited to see him get some meaningful snaps on the defense. And much like you pointed out about, you know, when Iowa has a good run game, they win lots of games. When they have a hard-hitting safety that people get tired of uh, coming across the middle, or, or even being a running back, you know, a la your Bob Sanders or some of your other stalwarts out there, that's when they also have great seasons. So if Castro can be that piece, you gotta love that. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you guys think there's any uh, uh, fire to the smoke that we might be down a couple secondary guys with the gambling thing? I mean, I think the rumor that I heard is that you've got one other potential starter that may not be in there, but I don't know who that would be. Yeah. The, the yeah.
1: sourcing that I have, which I'm not going to divulge who that is, says that the, the, the I, I'm not concerned about that. I'll just put it it that way. Now, I could be wrong, but this guy's usually not wrong. Um, And he's in the building. I'll just put it that way.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I mean, by building, you mean like your back porch, but no, this (laughs) is the the Jacobson building. (laughs) Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, I'm curious, Bill, are you going to make it to any home games this year? Are we going to get to see you at the tailgating scene? I'm sure gonna try. Uh, yeah, it's hard with a five-year-old. Uh, he he's into the games, but obviously, uh, if I brought him up, I couldn't, you know, pretend like it was 2004. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. we've always got a spot for you at the tailgate, kid or not. So yeah, yeah. No, I want to come up. So gonna so, try. So
1: if if play. you're inclined to gamble, are there any games this weekend that uh, you're you would you would f- find your way towards? outside
0: of the Iowa game. I've kind of got my eye on that Minnesota, Nebraska game. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of Nebraska, but I think Minnesota can take them on a Thursday night up there at the, uh, TCF bank field. Um, well, you I think betcha. What's up. Said, oh <laughs> yeah. you <betcha."> Darn tootin.
1: <laughs> and they'll just chant. We hate Iowa the whole time. Um, in this, it's a seven point spread Nebraska's the underdogs for that game
0: yeah I, I like Minnesota at home you know never go on the road at night I'm, I'm taking the uh, fighting Matt
1: rules on that one I think they at least really? cover. Okay. I think they at least cover even with a tight end getting arrested for
0: burglary today <laughs> but they're <you're> right. back <laughs> they're back. So I'm always weird on week one. I kind of like that is my tone setter for betting. So what I do is just go through and let my gut do, and I do like a bunch of like three to $5 bets. And then I do little pods of parlays. Uh, Just and so to me, that's kind of my data setting point. Okay. I don't know. There's no science to it. It's it, but last year, I think I came out like 50, 60 bucks ahead on after doing like uh, the whole day. I lost some, I won some, but I nailed a couple of those little mini parlays. So that's always kind of fun. What I like to do do is
1: is I look at the whole schedule of the big schools, I look at the power five schools, and it's like a 90 or 80% the favorites win those games on, on week one. I can't remember the exact number. At one point I had it all looked up and I had it all researched. I'll just pick like a 12, 13, 14 game parlay and I'll just bet the favorites money line. And it's like a $5 bet, but it could pay out like 500, 600 bucks. But then I'll also hit it with like a round robin because you look at all these, it's 14 games. So then I'll hit it with some round robins and I may invest like a total like one and a half units into into this whole day and i've the last three years i've come out pretty well ahead and just nice. been taken all of the seed money that i put into the season out and then i'm just playing with house money for the rest of the season so that's kind of how I it's, it's kind of fun and it's really frustrating uh last year i had one team i can't remember who it was uh, yeah. Didn't it was the one time I bet a, a point spread and not just a money line, and the spread didn't hit, and it cost me like a grand. Like if, they, if that spread yeah. hit, it would have been a little, the, the like ten dollar bet would have paid out like a grand. But Dang. it is what it is. But it's fun. So that that's kind of what I kind of do on the first day of the season is just do like one big home run parlay, but then hit it with the round robins to try to get you know, like, try to at least get that that seed money back.
0: So. Let's wrap up the podcast with what we think is going to happen with the Iowa line. Can you refresh us on those numbers as they stand currently, Joel?
1: I need to look that up real quick. Sorry, while I'm doing that, let me just show you some pictures of the Utah State campus. My friend and former employee used to. She went to school there. <laughs> I put them in the chat, and she said this is the most beautiful campus on the planet. Like, it's just, it's like right oh, in the yeah. nest of no, the-
0: I've, I've actually looked it up. It's in a tucked in, oh, yeah. it's tucked into a beautiful mountain valley. It's very, wow, a lot of trees and uh, very green, you know, not like okay. you think of Utah in your head. So, yeah, no, Logan, right? I think it's what yeah, it's
1: but Logan, Utah, and she said it's one of those places that the reason their student section isn't super good for football <laughs> is because the weather is so perfect that a lot of the students are out hiking and doing a bunch of stuff like that instead yeah.
0: of instead of going to the football games. Probably a great place to ski too, judging by those mountains. Yeah, very mattered. very
1: outdoorsy in the winter time too. I'm just pulling Fantastic. My game.
0: My I'm having a hard time. Was it Twenty-one and a half. I saw
1: that's what it was yesterday. I don't know if it's true. I know
0: the over under is in the 40s. So I mean, I'll just get a started while Joe looks up the exact numbers. But I I kind of I don't see this team really scoring on Iowa, and I don't really see Iowa putting up 40. So I like I would see this game as like 30 to 3 Iowa or like 27 to nothing or something like that. So and despite everything you know, wanting to show out, wanting to save Brian's job, quote unquote, even though I think that's going to go nowhere. Um, yeah. I I just don't see a 40 plus outburst from Iowa. And I don't see where Utah State scores enough points. I, I'm actually leaning under still, even though it's a pretty low number for a college football game. The uh,
1: the actual number, according to FanDuel, no free ads. Uh, Iowa is a 25 and a half point favorite and the over under is
0: 45 see i would almost go iowa points and under like i think it's going to be right in that little narrow window there but
1: if 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 iowa beats them by 26 points i think it hits the over
0: yeah same yeah give me the points and the over um yeah, I, I, I think we're a big ten line going up a school that's got a bunch of newcomers. Uh their 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 actual studs got uh poached. Um I, I think we got something to prove. Caleb Johnson runs all day. Uh maybe our secondary returns one adds to the uh scoring frenzy. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm so bullish on this team, but but mm-hmm. I, I really yeah. so are we all then are we all then bought into the Put on the gas, Brian, and then Kirk Ferentz. Yes. Saying on offense this year. I, I don't think the 25-point thing, if that's even still a thing, right. factors in there to their equation. But I think Utah State isn't going to be able to stop us.
1: I think you'll never see them get away from playing situational football. Yeah. I, I don't think you'll yeah. ever see them get away from that. But I think mm-hmm. you might see a flea flicker against mm-hmm. Iowa State. You might see... <laughs> Uh, some more play action setups that are actually designed to hit a home run because we've got some receivers who can hit the home run this year. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of number 85 just on mismatches on linebackers down the seam. I mean, this isn't Hawk and, and Fant at the tight end one and two, but this is probably as close as Iowa's been since that point. I mean, these, yeah. these are two top three round NFL tight ends lining up for the Hawkeyes.
0: Well, as as we get ready to wrap up, you know, it kind of makes me sad. Joel, is that you know we're all here like talking about forty points a game and tight ends running like deer and hitting the home run ball and our Heisman Trophy level running back. And you know, this is the last week of unbridled optimism and enthusiasm because it is football. That's the mm-hmm. fall, as Kirk Ferentz would say, and dumb things are going to happen and things that make us want to you know, murder the offensive coordinator are going to happen. So let's just bask in this while we have the opportunity, right? Like, yeah. oh, there's, is there anything better than that heading into your first week against a kind of a tomato can opponent and just like, yeah, let's go, let's go.
1: I think back to that North Texas game, not the one. Uh, it was It was like Bo Bauer's redshirt freshman
0: year. Was that 15 or are you talking about the one where Wadley got the touchdown called back? Uh, I think it was a little Wadley. It was the one where Bo Bauer had
1: like the pick six in it because none of us knew who that kid was. And all of a sudden we have an out. Yeah, 15. So we have all of a sudden because didn't Josie get tossed for a targeting call or something like that? So we lose jewel to a targeting call and we're all panicked because, okay, because North Texas had a pretty potent offense at that point. And what they do, what do they do? Some guys we've never heard of showed up and made plays, and those guys we had never heard of turned into NFL players. I kind of feel like we're going to see some of that from this linebacking core. Except the guy we've never heard of is actually an All ACC player, and Nick Jackson, right? none of us knew who yeah. he was until the transfer portal popped open. And I'm really curious to see how that defense melds together. And and quite frankly dominates because i think they have the yes. ability to do that i think the defense scores twice saturday i guess that's my that's my hot take i think the defense scores twice i like it
0: yeah yeah i like the overs and i and i like the hogs to cover all yeah. right well gentlemen shall we put a bow on it and uh say a, another uh fond adieu from Final well, joel Joel has a final thought I
1: want you guys to say if you were an offensive coordinator what trick play would you call on Saturday for the Hawkeyes if you could draw up any trick play what would it be
0: you know I always am a fan of uh having a pitch out to the running back who then uh takes like a couple steps forward but not quite to the line of scrimmage and then throws it back across to the other side So you get the whole you know everybody's wanting to stop Iowa's running game so that's what I'm doing I'm like gonna like pitch one out to I don't know if Caleb can throw it all but pitch out to him and have him swing one back across to the wide out on the uh, other end that's my play in case you guys don't notice I have never coached football (laughs) yeah no I'm uh, I'm all about just a shuffle pass to uh, Caleb Johnson a la Jamel Lewis against Michigan in '02. 2 uh, you know, they're they're gonna be champing at the bit to get to Cade if he's in, you know, try to try to put him down for good. And uh I, I think they can you can catch him selling out and yeah, that would go for a big one. That that would be my quote unquote trick play.
1: I'd like to see uh I'm a big fleet flicker guy. That's my favorite play in football and I think teams like Iowa who can run the ball well. Uh I'd like to i I'd like to see that and See, that'd be how Seth Anderson gets his first touchdown as a Hawkeye. That'd I like
0: fun. that call. Well, that would be fun. All right. Well, from your lips to uh Hawkeye God's ears, Joel. <laughs> we did it. Episode three, it's done. Bill, thanks
1: for thanks right. for hopping on. Go.
0: You bet.